0: Hello and welcome to The Flex. It's Matt St. Jean and Joe Howie here once again, bringing you all your Friars coverage. We're here today to talk about the next Friars game this Sunday at noon as the Friars take on Georgetown. But before we get into that, this has been an interesting week in the Big East already. A lot has happened since the Friars took on St. John's. Joe, what did we have happen Wednesday night? Um,
1: The, so, the pre- I don't even know how to... How to the premature... preordained. <laughs> yeah, the premature pre champions. Big cats of the land were swept by the Golden Eagles of Milwaukee. Um, Marquette swept Villanova. They beat them by 10 at the Pfizer Forum. Um, this is the first time since the 2016-2017 season that Villanova has been swept, Matt. I think the last opponent to do so was Butler. Wow, what a feat for the Golden Eagles. They started conference play 0-3.
0: Yeah. And it's one of the things I noted when we previewed Marquette when the Friars played them last Sunday. I was watching that game and the, the game we played against them, at the start of their winning streak. And the more I watched it, the more it became, it went from, oh, this is a hot team to, oh my God, they're playing really good basketball. Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't some kind of like a fluke or anything watching them. It was, they're in a perfect position on defense. They're playing the press perfectly. Their half-court defense is stellar and incredibly well-connected, and the offense is getting open looks. I and mean, for the first time all year, the guys were hitting the shots. But they've kind of continued that. I mean, the game was close at points, but Marquette, for the most part, controlled that from start to finish,
1: again. Listen, I mean, I was in and out of pocket for the first half and watched the entirety of the second half, and... I mean, Marquette having control of the game is the perfect way to put it. Um, And also watching Colin Gillespie get all flustered when the (laughs) ball gets poked away from him, watching him yell at Brandon Slater, who was poised to be like the best newcomer in the Big East. Like, I I thought it was it was quite honest, very entertaining for me. (laughs) Like, because. I know how they felt because we were in that position in Pfizer form against the same Marquette team. So Marquette's playing spoiler across the boards. And it was nice to see that the predetermined Villanova champions are not exempt from that.
0: Yeah. And it's honestly, I mean, Marquette is just damn good right now. The way they're playing, they're doing that to everybody. And the way yeah. that defense flusters people, this is what Shaka Smart does. And. Shaka Smart's been known for his press defense, his half-court defense this year that has been absolutely stellar. It's just, it's phenomenal to watch. So, yeah, their, their defense, you know it's great? Their defense is ranked 23rd in efficiency right now on Ken Palm. And with the exception of rebounding, their defense does literally everything well.
1: Uh, you know what I think is great too is they always have a six on five advantage on defense because Shaka smart is on is on the court with his arms up in the air defending uh, some guys on the wing so yeah it's always no wonder their defense is so good
0: yeah oh my god you know you know what I thought was really funny Joe I was uh, earlier today I was going back I just I was like watching some old press conferences and stuff on YouTube some Creighton ones some Marquette ones. And a video came up that was like, welcome, Shaka Smart to Marquette. And it was the whole sequence of when he got hired and like basically the hype video Marquette made, the promo video for when Smart went there. Right. And not even 45 seconds into the video, it's Shaka Smart walking into Pfizer Forum for the first time. And you want to know what he said? What did he say? He goes, this place is going to be awesome when we beat Villanova.
1: Wow. <laughs> Little did he know that 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 win over Villanova would be a season sweep for them. I mean, yeah, listen, shock is shock is a hell of a coach and he has a great track record. Obviously, you know, I was hard on him when we played him because, listen, it's like and Matt, I know you're a Red Sox fan. And for some of our more (laughs) sensitive New England fans, don't get triggered. But like Derek Jeter used to say, getting booed is one of the best compliments because it means you're good. So, yeah,
0: we have that. We have that on the Red Sox side of things, too. Kurt Schilling in 04 said um, about starting Yankee Stadium, "What better thing can I think of than to make I don't know however many people who are in Yankee Stadium shut up?"
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that energy, you love it. I, I will say the only time getting booed in baseball is not a compliment is if you're Jose Altuve or one member of the U, the Houston Astros.
0: Yeah, I can. Unless, I can say is I can say he's a die-hard Red Sox fan. There was a brief period in time where, because of the Astros, the Yankees were not my most hated team.
1: Well, so that Matt, uh, yeah, you're a level-headed Red Sox fan. I've dealt with several Red Sox fans that <laughs> stick up for the Astros for whatever reason. So for the for like the four or five of you that that defend cheaters, yeah, I just is it really that important to you to stick it to the Yankees that you're going to defend cheaters? But I, I, I have we're going. I have a feeling we're like we're, I know we're talking we were about
0: talking the wrong guy here
1: too. <laughs> We're talking about the wrong sport.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we'll get back to the the basketball here. Yeah, I mean, Shaka kind of called his shot there, saying we we can't wait to beat Villanova here. And you you look back at the resume for Marquette, and I mean, what the Friars have done against them does not look that bad anymore. A close win and a t- and a bad loss doesn't look bad against the team that swept Villanova and played UCLA pretty close. Their second, sorry, their third loss in conference play was a double overtime game against Creighton. So that's really as big of a toss up as it gets. They lost to Wisconsin at Wisconsin. I believe that was when Wisconsin had Johnny Davis. I mean, this is a Marquette team. Their their win loss their resume is really not that far behind where Providence is. And from my perspective, Villanova is the third best team in the Big East right now. Providence and Marquette are ahead of them.
1: I would I would go as far as saying Villanova is three or four right now. I mean, they really haven't done anything overly impressive to say we are the top dogs of the conference. And now given oh. there's a lot of time left in conference play, we still have to play him twice. So obviously not everything is said and done. But to this point in the season, I don't think Villanova has some outstanding, impressive thing on their resume that exclusively... Portrays them as the king of the league. I think yeah. if anything, the case can be made for Marquette or Providence with that with the resumes that stand right now. Agreed.
0: Agreed. And if you want to talk about Villanova, like the only reason I'm not saying they're fourth is because the teams behind them have kind of faltered. We've seen UConn be really, really up and down. They lost at home to Creighton. Xavier, I think, is really good. Could they be better than Villanova? Absolutely, but they got swept this year. By they, yeah. Can't say they're better than Nova when that happens. But yeah, and the third the third team we expected to be in that group could, could challenge Nova. Seton Hall they've struggled, but here they are. As of we're recording this Friday night, they recorded their second straight win tonight, and in pretty big fashion over Creighton.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's all about finding your stride in league play. Um Seton Hall, for as Kevin Willard notes, several external factors has not been able to find their stride. Tonight was a good a good game for them. And I think your point's right, Matt. I think realistically Villanova right now is the third best team in the conference. I, I say three, four because of the fluidity of the conference and the way that the team and, and the standings always change. Um, but I think what's gonna be interesting and an interesting storyline to watch is tomorrow, Jay Wright takes on Dan Hurley in, the, in what is going to be some great Saturday basketball. Villanova against UConn, and let me tell you, as much as I dislike Villanova, I would really enjoy to watch Villanova put a good old-fashioned spank on the Huskies, because quite honestly, there, there's a lot of you know talk about the Huskies and how good they are, and, and UConn this, UConn that. UConn has, if you look at their Big East resume, it is severely underwhelming. Their best win right now is at Marquette, and it's by eight points. Otherwise, they lost to Seton Hall, they lost to Providence, and they lost to Creighton. They swept Butler, they beat St. John's, beat Georgetown, beat DePaul. Congratulations. You're cleaning house in the bottom of the league like everyone else.
0: Yeah, and you could say for the most part that they won the games they were supposed to win until that Creighton game. So this is really... Um, and this will be out Saturday morning. So the game may have already happened and by the time you're listening to this. But this is really a, a must win for both teams. Villanova just doesn't lose two in a row. It just got swept. This is a J Jay Wright bounce back game. If they're going to be good. If they're going to be that team this year. This is one you want them not just to win, but to put the exclamation point on it. And for UConn, again, this is a team that's supposed to be really good. I mean, they, they still hold that claim of the one team that beat Auburn. And that's... Yep. Pretty significant, but you got to. Undermanned do Auburn. Too. Don't forget.
1: Don't forget. Uh, Auburn was yeah. missing someone, so the win doesn't count. Actually.
0: <laughs> but yeah, no. This is this is again clearly a good UConn team, but also very clearly in the second tier of the Big East as things stand right now. You want to yep. jump up, you got to win a game like this. And this is the stretch for UConn right now. This is where you prove it. Yeah, they swept Butler. They beat St. John's. They beat Georgetown. They beat DePaul. Paul again doing the things you should do. Lost at home to Creighton, get Villanova on Saturday, Marquette on Tuesday, with a chance to sweep Marquette, mind you. Yeah. At Xavier, at St. John's versus Seton Hall versus Xavier versus Villanova. There is yeah, with the exception of playing at Georgetown, there is not in yet. Yeah, they play at Georgetown and versus DePaul in two of their last three games. Other than that, the rest of the year, it's gonna be all teams that are really gonna give them a competition. So this is where all right, like where it's gonna be proven. They it have four yeah. four quad one games left.
1: This is a serious litmus test for the Yukon Huskies and the the ESPN proclaimed uh, Dave Gavitt slash Dan Hurley Messiah risen from the dead to bring the big east back to national relevancy. And I don't think anyone ever said that, but if you read the ESPN articles, uh, the Associated Press about UConn and their return to the conference, y- you would think that that <laughs> you would think that Yukon just won like eight national championships and was coming into the Big East. Like they're coming from a mid-major conference because their football team pooped the bed. That's why they're coming back.
0: Yeah. Side, note, I was wrong when I said four quad one games. That was Ken Palm's quad one in the net. It's six quad one games left
1: yeah, for a UConn. I was gonna say, I was gonna say four doesn't look doesn't sound right as I'm looking at this.
0: Yeah, cause there were a whole bunch that would have been that are high quad two for the way Ken Palm does it. But did you, uh, Joe? Did you happen to see what Adama Sanogo said about this game?
1: What did he say about this game? I did not see.
0: Hold the old uh, Joe Namath, guaranteed to win.
1: Again tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> You know what? Coming from Adama Sonogo, I can respect that because Villanova does not play a traditional five-man rotation. They play point guard, combo guard, small forward, small forward, small forward. Eric Dixon is not a traditional center. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who last year I said the same thing, not a traditional center, made a better case for being a traditional center than Eric Dixon. And Adama Sonogo, as we've seen, is legit. He is a powerhouse in the paint. And yeah. against him, Nate Watson, like Eric Dixon has his work cut out for him against a lot of the big men in the Big East this year. So that's, if it's coming from Adama Sinogo, I'm expecting a physical game out of him.
0: Yeah. So this is going to be a really interesting game. So make sure you're tuning into that. Also, hat tip to Maddie Ice in the Flex Friars group chat on Twitter for sharing that with us. Shout out to you. He also. Side note, I'm just going to promo this. He's selling some Friar shirts that are really nice. So oh, I, yeah. I'll probably – we'll share that with the Flex account so you guys can see it. But some really good stuff there. So, yeah, support another Friar. Buy uh, buy some nice shirts for this run. Uh, we're in February now. This is where the yeah. Friars always turn it up a notch. The Friars in February is what we always said. They won their first game of the month at St. John's. Can they do it again, Joe? At Georgetown – saw Ed Cooley earlier talking about this one in the press conference said he's scared to play them, just because they're desperate, they're in a hole, and they got two shooters. How confident are you feeling?
1: You know, I'm really trying to watch my language on this podcast, but this game scares the shit out of me, Matt. It <laughs> it, it is a, a, a it's not a trap game because it's not necessarily not necessarily settled between a. Uh, 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 it's not necessarily settled in a time when you're going to turn around and play a major opponent but it's a road game against a team in conference play that has not yet won and is severely desperate for a win and correct me if i'm wrong but we know this dialogue and this narrative all too well against Marquette and look what it happened look what happened to Marquette when yeah. we played them and they didn't have a conference win
0: yeah and they were, I mean, in some ways, a worse team than Georgetown. They couldn't shoot the ball very well. They couldn't close out games. They couldn't do anything, really. So, Georgetown's Georgetown's bad this year. There's no doubt about it. But they have redeeming qualities. This is a team, overall record right now, 6-14, 0-9 in Big East play. The worst start in conference play in program history. So, there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of talk around how hot Patrick Ewing's seat is going to be after this one. When you look through the stat sheet, not a lot of great things, but the one thing they do well, as we saw back of the dunk when the Friars were fresh off that COVID pause, they shoot the lights out of the three ball. They shot 13 threes in that game. Ed Cooley said that's all he can think about right now. It's keeping him up at night. How do you stop him from doing that again?
1: I mean, um, I think since that game, we've seen an improvement in the Friars' three-point defense. Um, I think even our bigs, Watson, Manaya Horkler, are doing a good job of recovering around the perimeter. I think we saw that a lot against Xavier, and we saw it a lot against Marquette at home. Just You collapse in, you clog the lane, but then you're quick to get back out to the perimeter and, and pick up that open guy. But what I will say is, what scares me about Georgetown is they have three players shooting 40% or higher from three, and a fourth player shooting 35% or higher. I, I think that stat scares the hell out of me because for a team so bad, they shoot the lights out.
0: They do. They had uh, Donald Carey and Caden Rice are their two shooters. Each hit five threes when these teams met the first time. And they really kept the game way closer than it should have been down the stretch because the Friars outplayed them for most of that game. Yeah. The, the score honestly was not really, it didn't really show how much of a blowout that game was because they could hit those shots. Since then, though, it, Georgetown was 13 of 23 from deep. The Friars have done a lot better. Five of 20 from Butler, four of 18 from here, five of 19 from Marquette, and then eight of 24 at St. John's. They have not allowed better than 33% since that game. And I think. I at least personally have made the observation they're closing out on shooters a lot better. I think the St. John's game is also a bit of an anomaly because they played zone. You're not going to see that against Georgetown. You're going to see a lot of man. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, when they've played man, the three-point defense has been a lot better since that game
1: yeah agreed. Um and, and you know, we like we threw Zone at St. John's in the first matchup too. It just really disrupts what they're trying to do. I, I think you're right, Matt. I don't think we're gonna play Zone against Georgetown. I don't know if it's nec- I don't know if it's a necessity, quite honestly. Um, but what I do think is another important storyline to watch is the play of Nate Watson when he plays in DC. I remember his freshman year when he came and he had a couple of emphatic dunks. He's got family from the area. So mm-hmm. it's his final season as a friar. He's on his senior campaign right now with the team. I, I, I'm expecting a big game out of him. I'm not gonna lie.
0: Yeah, this is this is something he's kind of always done. He always plays well in that venue. I was at that game you're talking about. Yeah, um, I believe. Yeah. Which side note, I sit here with the Olympics on in the background while we're recording this. The last time when I was when I was at that game down in D.C. that Nate Watson game. Uh, that was during the Winter Olympics as well shout out Jack Riccio who I traveled down there with but yeah I mean that's and this is another one Nate Watson played fantastically in that second half against St. John's like we talked about he always plays well against St. John's why you can get behind the defense Georgetown plays a different style they don't play nearly as fast as a team like St. John's or Marquette Bell and they're also Mm -hmm. not as big so it's going to be a different way of getting the ball to Watson here a lot more traditional but the look should be there I mean they really should be there for him
1: I I think too defensively if you look at Georgetown's bigs Eagle FA in 27 minutes the last outing one for six from the floor with two points if you look at the Matumbo kid off the bench four minutes zero points and then I don't even know what this guy's name is but Wilson got four minutes and had two points like Georgetown who their head coach is one of the best big men to ever live Georgetown's not playing through the paint Um, and I think it shows defensively too like you've got Horkler and Watson scoring in double figures last in the game Ed Croswell scoring in double figures your big men are scoring in the paint you know and for someone for a team that's coached by Patrick Ewing I think you'd expect differently.
0: Yeah. No, and it's a lot of it's they lost Kudus Wahab and they just didn't have anybody else to fill that hole. So, I mean, ego Wefe is fine. And... Ryan Mutombo is good for a freshman, but he's just not big enough to take on a guy like Watson. Malcolm Wilson, I'm going to be honest, I don't even remember him playing in that
1: game. Yeah, that might have been a crap time. I honestly don't remember.
0: Uh, Yeah, but yeah, I mean, you go back to the first time these teams played. Watson, he had 10 points, 4 of 8 shooting. He played 23 minutes. The other 17 minutes, that was Ed Croswell, 7 of 7 from the field, and 15 points. So... You put those two together, whoever the Friars had at center was producing, and I think you're going to see that again on Sunday. At least if the Friars win, you're going to need to see that.
1: You know what I, I wanted to mention too, Matt, and you talking about Croswell just brought it up. It, we watched the – or you were live on the the press conference today. Cooley released a, a press conference, and one of the questions was talking about Nate, and Ed told us that during one of the away games, Nate was on the bench, and he – Told the other guys on the bench to get up and be loud and make noise because we needed a defensive stop. How freaking selfless is that? Uh, I mean, you, you talk about a team with no egos. Your senior leader, the center, is sitting on the bench and he's telling every other guys to get up and be loud. That's fantastic. I, that that might be the best the best tidbit you pull out of that press conference. It's, it's fantastic,
0: and it's you go through the the whole thing too. Great anecdote about Watson, and you have what Ed. Who he was saying about Justin Manaya, too, the ultimate teammate. I mean, they oh, yeah. said that they hit the lottery with him. Why? Because he does everything they ask him to do and he doesn't complain. And that's yeah. really this whole team. There's no egos on this team. I mean, this is Nate Watson, you know, first team All Big East preseason, guy with all the accolades, a guy who was like the leading scorer for them last year, named as one of the 10 finalists for the Kareem Abdul Jabbar Award. Yep, this And morning. he's willing to play a little bit more than half the game and let somebody else take some minutes, too, if that's what's going to help the team.
1: Yeah. And also, I a lot of people like to look at, at the stats and the box score, and you like to look at the season statistics and the averages and whatnot. I think you have to look a little bit beyond. You have to look at some of the intangibles that surround this team and Watson specifically and the impact he has. Because, yes, he's a great scorer. He's a, a rim threat. He's a great finisher, great dunker. But... If you look at the impact that he has on the floor, aside from the scoring column, aside from the box score completely, he draws defenders in. He creates open looks for the shooters. When he's off the floor, the defense changes, which is what allows Ed Croswell to get great looks, clean looks at the hoop, because they're not triple-teaming Ed Croswell. They're triple-teaming Nate. So if you just look at the overall impact, I think the URI game is the epitome of this, especially with those two Mitchell twins that were supposed to dominate us and score double figures each. <laughs> Yeah, okay, But I think that game is the epitome of it. And we've seen a nice ebb and flow between Watson and Croswell all season. They balance each other out.
0: Oh, absolutely. And another tidbit I thought was really interesting from that Ed Cooley mentioned his friendship with Matt Painter. That's the head coach out of Purdue. And this is something I actually talked about on the podcast going way back to the start of the year. Purdue. They have two big guys who are both really good. They have Zach Eady, 7'4 sophomore. He scored 15 points a game, 7.5 rebounds. They also have Trevion Williams, 6'10 senior. He's scoring 12.1 points a game, 8.2 rebounds. You wonder how much those guys play? They split minutes almost evenly. They got two big guys. They split minutes. They both produce like that. That's kind of, I mean, you, you look at Ed Cooley Talking to their coach You gotta think he's asking them, Alright how do you balance time Between two bigs like that How do you balance egos How do you do that stuff This is something they were actually I'll see if I can find the link to it So we can put it in the description But the Athletic had an in-depth article Talking about how these guys Balance their minutes And don't have any ego And play with each other And It seems like this team's fate Is a little bit intertwined with Purdue Ever since that Like game That closed scrimmage Where the Friars managed to beat them Earlier this year Two teams very similarly constructed. Yeah, two teams very similarly constructed with head coaches that are friends. Yeah, I I
1: I think think it's a shocker. I think this speaks volumes to the versatility of this team, too. Because you talk about the the interchangeable pieces at the five spot—they both give you different things. They both—they both can dunk. They both—they're they, both good rim finishers—and and I don't think that's the difference between them. I just think the attention defensively that they draw. I, I think their presence yeah. on the court. Like Ed Croswell's is kind of a sneaky scorer, whereas Watson—you know—if he gets the ball, everyone and their mother is gonna swarm in on the paint. And, and spanning out, looking across the team, uh, Cooley in the post in the press conference today was talking about. The rotation and how they've really narrowed it down to an eight-man rotation, and with Reeves back into the fold now, it's honestly the rotation is going to get a little bit thinner. I think.
0: Yeah, it's we already saw last game Reeves comes back. Even though Breed has played, he played well against St. John's. He played like a minute. Yeah. Uh, he's just not playing because he a really right, good minute. Yeah, it was. I mean, that's not sarcasm. That's not tongue in cheek. He played a really good minute. No, but he that's did. That's all the minutes
1: yeah. they had to offer. And listen, Which, wow. I, it's, yeah, Go ahead. I, I think that speaks to the no egos of this team. If this was last year's team and someone was playing one minute, there'd be pissing and moaning in the locker room. There'd be stuff on social media. If this was the 2018-2019 team and someone played one minute, Twitter would have exploded, and I mean exploded. And I think you know who I'm referencing. I won't say any names, but mm-hmm. this the the fact that Breed will play one minute. He's a sophomore. He's going to get his time and he's a talented player. But the fact that he gets one minute and if you look at the postgame videos from the locker room, like he's cheery. He's happy for the team. It just speaks to the volumes. There's no egos here. They're all playing yeah. towards one common goal. Kevin Fireheart of yeah. FireBasketball.com wrote a great piece on this a couple weeks ago.
0: Yeah. And it's you look at Ed Gouley in that press conference. We're going to keep referencing it because there were a lot of good nuggets from it. But he talked about how, with a lot of veterans, they had to cut down the rotation this year. You know, you got you, you kind of know who your guys are from the start of the year, and that's who you're playing. So these younger guys aren't getting a lot of looks. And Cooley said he felt bad about that as a as a father figure to them. He wants to see them play. He wants to see them succeed. He wants them to get opportunities. There was just less to go around this year, and that speaks to again what the locker room is like. That's just, yeah. and he said this is the closest team he's ever had. But I do want to talk about what kind of spawned this this segment here. A.J. Reeves coming back. Because you want to talk about space on the floor, giving room for your big guys to work. Reeves could be the key to that. We saw him back in the starting lineup. hasn't Hasn't played his best, but I think he's still easing in. And against Georgetown, he should have opportunities to really show
1: off, I think. You remember what he did at Georgetown last season? He flirted with a new career high on a great three-point shooting night. Um, And you're right, Matt. He's coming off of an injury. Um, He's going to be rusty. You can't really fault him for that. And it's showing in his minutes. You know, he's not really playing the the 25, 30 minutes a game that we're used to. It's it's in the teens to the 20s. And that's expected. You know, he's gas. He hasn't been in game shape. But what I think is a positive sign is in the first game back against Marquette, he drained two threes against St. John's. He drained a deep three. So yeah. he's shooting, and he's scoring with confidence. So I, I, I think that's what, what's important with Reeves. And I, I know if I'm A.J. Reeves, I'm a senior now, I remember that my near career uh, point, I don't even know how to say this, career on high. a night on a night where yeah. you flirted with a new career high, it was flushed down the toilet, I I would want to go back in that same gym and get the career high and get the win along yeah. with it.
0: Yeah, and this is this is not a uh, what do you call it? Not a unique thing for the Friars this year. This is something Watson dealt with. Watson had a career high against Saint John's last year. They lost. AJ Reeves oh. came one point shy of a career high last year at Georgetown. They lost. In uh, fact, you can go back. Was that in 2020 when David Duke had a career high at Creighton and they lost?
1: 36 at Creighton, and then Marcus Zagorowski banked in a buzzer beater from like near half court. Man, Man I
0: Providence against Creighton does not get talked about enough as a rivalry in this conference because those two teams have had some iconic, iconic games.
1: Just real quick, if you could rank the top five rivals for the Friars in order of rivalry, what would you rank them? And I'll do mine. Just a quick side tangent here.
0: Let's see. Well, the top three, I'm not sure the order, but the top three are going to be Villanova, UConn, and URI. No, no, in the conference. Oh, in the conference. All right, no URI. Joel, URI and UConn I- are one and two. Yeah. Villanova. I'm gonna put it one, just because UConn hasn't been in the conference back in the conference again that long. I don't think it's yep. gonna take that long for them to t- retake that top spot. You're already number taking three, the yeah. Thoughts out of my head. Yeah, number three. I'm putting Creighton. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And we played play, played in the Big East championship back in 2014. You have. The Kyron Cartwright shot You have I think Three straight Big East Tournament games Against each other or The years where they Played in the opening round You have the Zangrowski shot You have what the Friars did against Creighton later that Season at home And they were taking Threes late in the game And just wanted to Bury them I don't think I don't think Those two teams Like each other very much Let me think about this I think I think I'm going with Marquette and St. John's As potentially It's, it's between Marquette St. John's and Seton Hall Is for the last two spots on this top five.
1: Okay. Interesting. Um, I'm going to go a different route. My, my top two are the same and chronologically the same in that order, Villanova, Connecticut. And for the same reason, Connecticut's only been here for two seasons. We've been playing against Villanova since the spawn of the Big East. So Villanova is number one, Connecticut's number two. I'm going Marquette. Number three, Providence. And I don't Marquette think that, that's a good hate, pick. Mar- Marquette and Providence fans hate each other. Number four, I'm going Xavier. I, I think really you look, yeah, look at the Big East Tournament a couple years ago and Chris Mack was still the coach. I mean, in back-to-back seasons, each team has traded a buzzer beater three to win at the Cintas Center. Um, you look at that, that matchup at the dunk, uh, the 2019-2020 season came down to the wire after they beat us at Cintas. Pipkins with the runner.
0: Oh, I still remember. If you, we can go back. I had the call on that game. I still
1: remember yeah. my call on that one. Oh my god! Um, and then fifth, I would say St. John's too. Um, there's, St. John's there's just fans, something. Man. There's just yeah. There's just something about St. John's that I think rubs us the wrong way. There's something about us that rubs them the wrong way. So yeah. uh, I'd say Seton Hall and St. John's are very very close. But I'd give because of the way that the last game ended with almost fighting on the floor. Uh, I would give the fifth spot to St. John's.
0: Yeah, especially with recency bias and me just being at that game at St. John's. That was that was a lot being there. Their fans are rowdy. The fans are, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to say more on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, their fans are something else. But, yeah, that, I mean, it's the Big East. There's a lot of fantastic rivalries. So, lots of good stuff going on there. But, yeah, back to Georgetown. Not really near the top of that list right now, the way that program has been. As of late, they've generally done pretty well against them. So, I mean, we'll see. This is, to me, this is a game the Fires don't need to win. They need to dominate. You need to, Especially because okay. the last game was a little bit closer than you wanted. You want to go down there and you want to you wanna run them out of their own building. Like you did at yeah. DePaul earlier this year. Because this team is more than capable of it. And Georgetown, quite frankly, stinks. They're good enough to give you a game. They're good enough to keep it close but they're bad enough that when you play well, they shouldn't.
1: Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, You you had me scared there for a second when you said this isn't a game that Providence needs to win. Uh, I I was about to say I beg to differ, but then you you threw me. uh, I took the bait, so you had me there. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, I I think this is a game you just need to go into Washington, D.C. and beat the doors off of them, quite honestly. Yeah. the past couple seasons, we haven't played, you know, generally well there. I remember the, the overtime game where Mac McClung hit the banked in oh three because Mackay wasn't guarding him or something like that. That game took years off my life. And then you look at last year when David Duke missed the free throw and we lost and he didn't lose because we missed the free throw. We lost because we coughed up a 23 point lead. Um, so we I, I in-
0: put that game firmly out of my mind. So
1: thank you. Yeah. Uh, you're welcome. Oh, you're quite welcome. So I think you look at the past couple of seasons and you think it would be refreshing to just go down there and kick Georgetown's teeth in. And, you know, I feel bad that they're, they're all in nine in conference play right now, but that's not our problem. We, the, no. the Friars have to worry about themselves this season no we already gave a team their first win in conference play and look what it did we technically we're responsible for Marquette right now <laughs> so I don't want to be responsible yeah. for Georgetown especially after what happened last year Georgetown beat us at home and then went on a run to win the Big East tournament championship game so I think you go in there you kick their teeth in Watson puts up 30 Reeves puts up 30 <laughs> I, I, that would be yeah. ideal but I don't know if it'll happen
0: yeah, it's just you need to take care of business here. Prove that you are the far superior team as you are, because the, the Friars they, they really are. And they get they got a little bit of rest coming into this one, a long break coming into it, an even longer break after. The Friars get nearly a week off. And also, side note, Friars are the uh, the Sunday team right now. You got the game against Marquette, obviously that got pushed back. Get a Sunday game this week, and then they get a Sunday game. Was it next week?
1: No, not next Saturday week, against
0: the Bowl. Bowl. yeah Saturday and next week but Sunday the week after so three out of four weeks they get a Sunday game something a little different for you well, yeah.
1: yeah change it up is, a little bit why not
0: yeah and I want to I want to expand on something here Joe I know we had talked about this before one of the reasons why you need to dominate this game it's the metrics love them hate them say whatever you want about them the Friars are essentially at the same spot they were in the metrics right now as they were right after they lost to Marquette. And yeah, that sucks. And it does not feel fair. Because the Friars have won six straight, including two ranked wins in that stretch. But I want to explain a little bit here and put some context to it just so everybody's on the same page, so we understand what's going on here. First and foremost, when Ken Palm ranks teams, it's a measure of efficiency. So the way it's done is basically the number that it spits out is how many points, in this particular case, it's how many points that you would score over 100 possessions, which is just, that's how they scale it up. But it's essentially on a per-possession basis, how likely are you to score a basket, and on defense, how likely are you to stop a basket. That's all it's doing. It's measuring that. And then it shifts those numbers. It adjusts those numbers based on how good your opponents are and how many points you should or shouldn't be giving up in a hypothetical model. So, if you look at the last six games, the reason why the numbers have not liked us that much over that stretch is because you play Georgetown, and you allow 75 points, and then you play Butler, and you beat them by seven in a game that was close until the end, and you play... St. John's in a game that's close. You play Marquette in a game that's close. You play Xavier in a game that's close. Those are good wins. In my opinion, and if you read my article on Big East Coast Bias, you'll see me explain this. I think that the Friars won those games because, quite simply, they executed better than the other teams did when the games mattered. And that's a championship quality right there. You can't win a championship unless you have that X factor because there is no championship team that's going to skate through March. You're going to have close games and you're going to need to find ways to win them. The other thing championship teams always do is when they play bad teams, heck, when they play good teams, they just destroy them. They annihilate them. Look at Villanova. When they won a championship all back in 2018, they, they caught fire in March and they blew out everybody in the tournament. They played good teams. They were out shooting like Buddy Healed in the tournament because they were just on, and they were that good. And that is the level we haven't seen the Friars take it to this year. That's why they're going to be ranked below some of the other teams because they don't light it up. Every game is close. And at the end of the day, it hasn't mattered for the Friars because they're so good late, they win. But what's going to scare people looking at Providence is they're going to say, hey, all it takes is one of these games where the breaks don't go their way, and it's a loss. And if that happens in March on the first Thursday to a 13 seed and all of a sudden you're out. The teams don't, people don't want to put stock in that. That's why you end up a little bit lower in some people's views or in some metrics than people, than than you might expect. Some of that I think is a little bit unfair or not even unfair. It's that metrics can't measure everything. You can't, you can't boil all of basketball down to one number. You just can't do it, and that's not what anybody here is trying to do either. Ken Palm's not trying to say these are the best teams in basketball ranked. He's saying these are the most efficient teams, and those two things don't mean the same thing. If you go back a little bit and you go through the teams that have been quote-unquote lucky in the past, you're going to see quite a few teams that have done well in March. Kansas, a couple years ago, when they fell, they went to the Final Four and they fell to that Villanova team in 2018, they were one of the luckiest teams in college basketball that year. Why? Because they they executed late in games. They were also really good and blew teams out. This is the stretch right now. If the Friars have opportunities to do that. You play Georgetown. You play DePaul. You play Butler again. These are opportunities to kill teams that you should be a lot better than and to put those numbers out there. And that's going to change people's minds in a hurry. Because think about it this way. When you, when you turn on a game and you see, wow, when it's back in November, wow, Villanova is really struggling with this non-conference team. They won, but they only won by two or three points. You don't watch that and think, wow, that's a championship team that managed to grind out a win. You look at that and you say, wow, we thought Villanova was really good and they barely beat this team that they should be much better than. And that's what other people are doing when they see the Friars right now. And I don't, I think, A lot of those people haven't watched the Friars a lot, because again, the Friars are a really, really good team, easily deserving of a top four seed right now, and it's not close, arguably a top three seed. They're right on that line. But this isn't some bias. This isn't somebody with a computer saying, hey, I hate the Friars. This is two things. One, the computers can't measure some of the things the Friars are good at. And two, there's things the Friars should probably be better at. And I Cooley said as much today in the press conference. Said, we're not perfect. There's a lot we want to work on. They want to get better shots. They want to be able to get better offensive looks earlier in the shot clock, not rely on bailout shots. Having those bailout shots is fantastic. You need that. But if you can be better early on, you can score an extra 10 points a game, 8 points a game, because you can find those looks and create that offense early in the shot clock. You won't need free throws at the end of the game to beat St. John's. And you're going to beat them by 15 instead of 4. And that's the kind of stuff that people are looking for. Again, Friars are a really good team. And I think Ken Palm is flawed. And then this year has kind of showed that. They they also, there's a month left in the season, and the Friars have opportunities to bump these numbers up. And I think everybody knows it. So this is where you turn the game on. This is where the Friars have always turned it on in February. This is where you take it to another level and prove to guys that you're not just a team that can skate out wins, you're a team that can really take over.
1: Very well said, Matt. I don't think I could have put it any better. Um, What I will say is um, Ken Palm is an algorithm. They 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 take into account a lot of efficiencies, a lot of statistics, doesn't measure heart, you know. And right now, what what's fueling this Friars team to the wins, regardless of margin of victory, is heart. Um, and if there's anything that's true to Ed Cooley, his character, his personality, the way he coaches, he coaches with a lot of heart and a lot of emotion. And that's something quite simply a computer cannot do. An algorithm no. cannot produce that for you. What can is the on-court results, the 19 and two record, sitting alone in the penthouse of the conference, that's all measured by heart. Yeah, um, I've def- I've definitely gone on my soapbox <laughs> about the 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 press and all these different metrics and ranking systems. At the end of the day, you know, uh, I'm, my views are changing. I haven't checked Ken Palm in over a week. Haven't checked the net in probably close to a month. I just. I don't care for what other people say, because I know that when I sit down and I turn the TV on and the Friars are playing, the only thing that matters to me is when we win and watching the little score tick up at the bottom of the Fox Sports scoreboard at the bottom of the screen. That's all that matters.
0: Yeah. And and at the end of the day, that is what's going to matter. The other part of this, too, as Friar fans, (laughs) what we're used to at this point in the season is, all right, We're talking about we think our resume is better than this team or this team or this team, and that's why we should get into the NCAA tournament. We have entered an entirely different world here. We're not arguing about getting into the tournament. We could go under 500 the rest of the way and still be a tournament team. You win one of the next two games at Georgetown versus DePaul. You're a 20-win team before you've even seen Villanova. This Friars team is already, at worst, really good. So we're, we're on a different plane here. This isn't about are the Friars good. That's not a question anymore. It's how good are they? And look at where the Friars are in the AP poll. Some of the teams ahead of us, you've got Wisconsin ahead of you. Yeah, you beat Wisconsin. Wisconsin's also a really good team with some good wins. And this is one of those points where it's going to matter that they didn't have Johnny Davis in that game. Because if the two teams' resumes are similar and that was a close game there at home and they didn't have Johnny Davis, if you're... A, just a human being you can kind of go either way on how how important is that win long term the other teams up there kansas they're 17 and three in a good conference they don't have a loss as bad as the virginia one same with duke same with baylor same with arizona houston kentucky ucla these are the teams you have to compete with to move up teams that already have a ton of quality wins don't have bad losses and play incredibly efficient basketball the Friars are already ahead of everybody else. You don't have to worry about right now, are we going to be seated higher than UConn? Are we going to be seated higher than, I don't know, Xavier, Tennessee, Texas, LSU, those teams? We, we jumped them because even though the metrics might not be as good as some of those teams, the resume is significantly better, and that's what's going to carry you there. But when your resume is about the same as other teams, that's when the metrics come into play. Friars have five weeks now to bump those numbers up. So this is the opportunity to do it. Show you are that good. And I think Ed Cooley's confident in his team that they can show they are that good.
1: Five weeks left, including two games against Villanova, a rematch with Xavier, and you take on Creighton. Um, yeah. I don't like to play look ahead, but I have the schedule open right now. Also, completely, completely off topic. All the teams <laughs> we play for the remainder of conference play are all blue logos.
0: Well, it's the whole. I mean, we're we're the only team in the conference that doesn't have blue. He will sleep on that.
1: Oh oh my god. I was gonna say Marquette, but they have the navy. St. John's they has a navy. Blues.
0: Yeah. St. John's is not red and black. They're red and navy. It's you'd think it's black when you look at it, but it's not.
1: <laughs> you know what I hate? Villanova has no black and the, and yet they have those stupid black uh, alternate jerseys. They're trying to be Duke. They wish they could be Duke. Same with the, the powder blue alternates, like, oh god. That program, man, drives me they nuts. They
0: want to be but Duke. They should have just gotten Theo John to transfer there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hate Theo John. Actually, no, I don't hate him. I love watching him because he's terrible. Yeah, Theo. I have. Oh my God, I have a soft spot in my heart for that man.
0: He's so bad at basketball in such an entertaining way. It's. Uh, he
1: is. I miss him. All right, him we've gone year. on plenty of tangents. Moral yeah, of the story yeah. of this one: you got to beat Georgetown on Sunday. Um, and then you have a couple of days off before you, you come back home to the dunk against DePaul.
0: Yeah, six six days off. And you want to talk about, uh, to put an exclamation point on what I was saying about big wins? The last time that Providence played DePaul at the dunk, one, Joe, that was the last game we went to, the one we broadcasted together. Do you remember the final score of that one? 93
1: 50 something.
0: 56 55. Ah, uh, and that's and that's the kind of game we're looking for here. The Friars have shown they can do it. The worst Friar teams have done it against better DePaul teams or against better Georgetown teams. So we're not asking. We're asking for something very reasonable here. You just got to actually see it so you can put it on the resume and show it off to people. You can't you can't be hypothetical. You just got to show you could do it. That's where we're at here. Uh, Ken Palm says that the Friars have a 75% chance of, of winning on Sunday. That feels probably about right, even if that's an underestimate. Georgetown's still somewhat decent. They're, they are a power conference team, but they're a 187 conference in, sorry, in Ken Palm right now. If you think the Friars are bad, and you know what's funny, Joe? I just refreshed Ken Palm as we were sitting here, and the Friars moved up from 50 to 49 <laughs> as I refreshed.
1: That's incredible. That made my night. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm just yeah. kidding.
0: <laughs> yeah, that should make you, make everybody feel better there. But yeah, this is just... Don't worry too much about the computer numbers. We're going to worry about putting good wins up there. Play good basketball. That's that's what we're trying to do at the end of the day. You want to prove you're a better basketball team than the other ones. So you do that by beating teams and doing it well. Friars, they played Georgetown Sunday at noon. So this is one of those earlier tip-offs. So get up, make your breakfast, have your coffee, sit down, watch the game while you're eating. Or get a couple get up early, get a couple errands done, depending on what type of person you are. I'm not a morning person. I will not be doing that. I'll be getting up at probably eleven a.m. making coffee and sitting on the couch for the game. But
1: I'll be, be up getting off. up at eleven <laughs> fifty-nine.
0: <laughs> I know you very well, Joe. Um Capital One Arena in D.C., Fox Sports 1. That's where this game is going to be. So make sure you're watching and make sure you're listening to us. Follow us on Twitter at the Flex Hoops. Subscribe wherever you're listening to this. Make sure you rate us if you like us. If you don't like us, you don't have to tell us. And, yeah, <laughs> thank you for listening. You'll hear from us after the game.
1: Go Friars.